Now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia. And John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. This was the very first missionary journey that Paul ever went on. His companion in the journey was Barnabas. And Barnabas is, some say, nephew, some say cousin. But they were related somehow, closely connected. Some believe that Barnabas was John Mark's uncle, that Mary, Barnabas' mother, was John Mark's mother, was Barnabas' sister. Some say they were cousins. Some say it was uncle-nephew relationship. We're not 100%, 100%, 100% sure but they were closely related. So somehow, some way, John Mark got in the mix and was selected, not even sure if he volunteered. He may have. Barnabas may have volunteered him. <laughs> oh, oh, Uncle Barney may have said, Hey, John Mark, you're going with us, son. Okay. So he begins and goes part of the way on this missionary journey. So they get some ways into the journey. They get uh, maybe several weeks into this journey. And for whatever reason, we don't know why, but John Mark turned back. He, de- he left them, and he went back home to Jerusalem. We don't know why he turned back. It may have been, possibly, that he saw how difficult it was going to be for him. If he continued, sure, there were hardships. There was persecution. There were more than one... Occasion where Paul was imprisoned, stoned, left for dead, all of them attacked, abused. And maybe, maybe that began to weigh on John Mark's mind. Man, I don't want to put up with this mess. I didn't sign up for this, bro. I thought we were going to be like on a cruise ship or whatever. You know, I thought we were going to stay at the Holiday Inn Express and have a good breakfast the next morning. And, you know, I thought everything was, man, I, I didn't sign up for this. Maybe, maybe that was why the Bible didn't say. It could have been, as one writer said, due to an imbalanced attachment to his mother and to home. And he just missed mama. He missed home. So he went back home, went back to Jerusalem. Maybe he missed the fried chicken. I don't know. Maybe he missed the meals. Maybe he missed the hugs and, the, and mom taking care of his laundry. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. Maybe, as one writer said, it was because he had an aversion toward and a a prejudice against the Gentiles. He had already discovered that their ministry was primarily going to be to the Gentiles. He was going to be working among them, rubbing shoulders with them. That could have been it. We're not sure. But he goes back. Okay, so Paul and Barnabas finish out the journey. So two to three years later, guess what the Holy Spirit puts upon Paul to do? Take another journey. So guess what Barnabas says? Hey, Paul, I know we turned back last time, but but I really believe John Mark can help make a difference this time. I think he learned his lesson. And you know what Paul said in Acts chapter 15? Paul's like, no, sir. John Mark ain't going with us. John Mark disappointed me. John Mark quit. John Mark turned back. I mean, man, he created a hardship on us when he turned back and went back home. We needed him. 
We were counting on him. Somebody had to pick up the slack when he left. No, no, no. He is Mr. Disappointment. I'm disappointed in him. He's not going. Barnabas says, man, I really think he ought to go. I think he needs to be given another chance. And Paul was so firm in his spirit. And he's like, no, no, no. Hey, you might can take him. I'm not going to take him. If we go on this journey, John Mark ain't going with us. And the divide and the contention was so fierce and so tight between Paul and Barnabas. Man, Acts 15, read it for yourself sometime. Guess what happened to them? They divided and separated. You're like, man, that's the first church split. I don't know. Maybe it was. You know, that's, that's like 2019, right? This church, that church. This group, that group. It happened in Acts. With two good men, by the way. That shows you that two good men can disagree on the same issue and both of them still be right with Jesus. Can I get an amen right there? Okay. So they separated. And Paul then, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, took Silas. And they went off. Second missionary journey. You're like, well, Shazam, what happened to John Mark? Mr. Disappointment here, right? (laughs) Did he ride off into oblivion? Did the scriptures just write him off? Did the Holy Spirit say, fooey on you, son? What happened? Well, something did happen. The implication is, is that Barnabas, Barnabas did stay with John Mark. And Barnabas did take John Mark under his wing. So much so, and his, here it is, here's the word, his growth. (laughs) His personal growth was such. Now go to 2 Timothy 4. Would you turn there, please? Because I want you to see this. Look in verse 11. 2 Timothy 4, 11. Paul is in a dungeon, brothers and sisters. Paul is about to be executed. He's about to be beheaded. He knows that. He's coming down to the end. He realizes this is his last letter and the last chapter. And it's interesting. Here he is, obviously in the fall of the year. It's getting cold in the dungeon. And he writes to Timothy. He says, hey, please come. When you come, bring some coats. It's cold. And winter time is coming. When you come, bring the scriptures with you. And then he says, and then one more thing. When you come, look in verse 11. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark. Stop right there. Who's Mark? That's John Mark. Take Mark. Take John Mark and bring him with you. For he is profitable to me. For the ministry. Paul said, hey, when you come, Timothy, please do diligence. Do all you can to get here before I die. And the truth is, we don't know if he ever did. When you come and bring the books. When you come and bring the coat that I left at Troas. When you go by there, make sure that somewhere along the line you pick up John Mark because... I know he was Mr. Disappointment, but now he's Mr. Dependable. And I need him. I got some things I need to tell him. I got some things that God wants him to do. So when you come, I know he used to be Mr. Disappointment, 
Now he's Mr. Dependable. Bring him with you when you come. And gang, I want to ask you a question. How, how did he go from Mr. Disappointment to being Mr. Dependable? What steps did he take in his personal life, in his personal journey, to set him up to be that? You see, the one word that I believe describes many of us as it relates to us personally in so many areas, relationally, physically, professionally, emotionally, financially, obviously spiritually, we're not improving. We're not flourishing. We're not growing. And that one word, my dear friend, that one word is the word stuck. I feel like as I look at my life in several areas, I'm stuck. I look at you, my dear friends and brothers and sisters in Christ, and I feel like to a certain degree we're stuck. Some of you have gone duck hunting before. And you've been in your waders. I'm not trying to you know, exclude anybody that had never had to do <laughs> done this. You're in your waders and you're wading through the swamp and I found out real quick the hard way you can't move quick in a swamp and you're moving and you're picking up your leg just right and putting it down in front of you and you're, you're doing that but uh, there comes a point where there is it, it's, it, man it's not just mud I don't know what it is I don't even know the words for it I'm going to say mire and I've heard the word getting mired down. And buddy boy, I've been in a swamp and I've gotten mired down. And I have fallen in a time or two because of it. And there have been some times when you've been standing there in the muck and in the mire, under the water, in the swamp, in your chest waders, and you've stood there so long that when it came time to move, guess what? Buddy boy, you were absolutely stuck. What do you need? What do you need at that point? You need somebody that's unstuck to come over to where you are, grab you by the hand, and get you unstuck. I know the Holy Ghost of God isn't stuck, but I can find myself stuck so often. In whatever area you want to bring up, Christian Powell can get stuck and mired down, and I'm like, I'm just going to stay here. And the Holy Spirit says, hey, big boy, I'm not going to let you stay there. I'm going to show you, Christian pal, how to get unstuck. John Mark, I'm going to show you how to get unstuck. Don't you want to know how to get unstuck today? Say, how's that happen, preacher? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me give you two or three things real quick. Listen, if you're still with me, say amen right here. Number one, now this is, you're like, this is no-brainer stuff. I know, isn't that wonderful? Number one. Number one key, assessment. Assessment. How do we move from where we are to where God wants us to be? Number one, it starts with assessment. You have to take, friend, you have to take personal inventory. You have to. You've got to stop and look at yourself 
and where you are and what's going on around you and where God wants you to be. You have to take inventory. Some, at some point in this journey for John Mark, he had to wake up and smell the coffee. He had to wake up and take the rose-tinted glasses off and he had to take a realistic evaluation of where he was as a Christian, as a servant of God, where he was in this journey of the spiritual life and what God had called him to do. You got to assess where you are. Hey, you got to evaluate. Ask a trusted mentor to speak hard truth into your life. That's hard. That's difficult. When you look at somebody and say, okay, I'm an open book. Critique me. And by the way, don't ever forget, critique is different than criticism. Criticism can be destructive. Critique can be constructive and very helpful. Can I get an amen right there? Set somebody up in your life that can speak hard truth at whatever area you're struggling with. Let the Spirit of God direct you to somebody that's thriving in that area that you want to grow. That area that you feel like is your weakest area. Let the Holy Spirit show you somebody who can come alongside of you and and, and give you an honest assessment of where they think you are. But be open and honest and humble enough to receive it. You will never grow or change until you wake up to the reality of where you are. Number two. Number one was... Assessment. Number two, assistance. Assistance. All of us must have some help, some counsel, some accountability. That's a good word. Write that down somewhere in your soul or in your Bible or in your accountability. You got to have it. If we're ever going to improve and grow, there has to be assistance. It is my contention that John Mark would have never become profitable had Barnabas not taken personal interest and made a personal investment in his life when he needed the help the most. This is a lesson to all of us. Can I say this? Aren't you glad that when Barnabas saw John Mark struggling, he didn't, he didn't just leave him alone and he just didn't let him just get mired down in his muck? Aren't you glad about that? Aren't you glad that God led Barnabas to come alongside of John Mark and say, hey, buddy, I love you. I know you feel like a failure. I know you've blown it. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to stick with you. And if you'll let me, I'm going to help you. Don't we all need that in our life? I feel like sometimes, though, that especially those of us in the church, that whenever we see that, whenever we see somebody make a mistake or they sin royally, you know what our tendency is? What's our tendency? Keep them, keep them at arm's length. Right? Man, oh, John, I just don't know what to say to them. Oh, it's awkward. It's awkward around them. I don't know what. Oh. Maybe we just don't need to say anything. So we're going to keep them at arm's length. We're not going to do anything. <laughs> it's kind of like a year or two ago, I mentioned to this crowd right here, that I was in a restaurant and there was a man that was choking 
man, I didn't know what to do. I was probably 30 feet away from him, and thankfully there was somebody there that knew what to do. And when this dude stood up, and he was like, well, it wasn't really that because he couldn't make any noise. But anyway, he stood up, and I I don't know why I'm laughing because it wasn't funny. But he stood up, and somebody said, call 911. He's choking. He's choking. I promise you, here was my reaction. All right? You would think, you know, somebody like me who's halfway intelligent, that I'd been like, I'm jumping into action. I'm going to go do the Heimlich. You know what happened to me? As soon as they said, he's choking, call 911, my first reaction was to get paralyzed with fear. Seriously, I'm embarrassed. I'm, I'm ashamed of that. But I, my first, I was with Marcos. My first response was, I said, oh, snap. Right? I said, jump. The dude's fixing to die. Now, thankfully, he didn't. Because while I was over there trying to figure out through my panic (laughs) what to do, somebody sitting right beside him calmly got up, walked over, and went, boom. Done. Somebody sins. Somebody messes up. Somebody makes a mistake. Somebody, somebody, somebody makes the worst decision of their life. And can I tell you what it's easy to do as Christians? Are you with me this morning? Huh? Are you with me? It's easy to be like, oh, snap. Somebody needs to go help. Somebody else needs to go help. But we sit there feeling at a loss of what to do. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about this morning? You see somebody struggling. You see somebody on the verge. But we're like, oh, I don't want to say anything to them because I don't want to offend them. It's hard to risk taking that step, right? I want to say this to us. Could it be that God's calling us to be a Barnabas? And, and, And hey, if we don't take the step, who's going to? Somebody's got to take that step to go over where the dude is choking and actually get involved. Because, dude, I listen, I can give you a running commentary on every detail that was happening in that restaurant, but I didn't lift one finger to do anything to solve the problem. I'm going to recommend a book to you. It's called Everybody Always by Bob Goff, a wonderful wonderful challenge along these lines here's the deal the example and habit of Jesus was always to go after the fallen the mess up the mistake prone the sinner we have the parable of the lost sheep in Luke 15 the woman at the well in John 4 the adulterous woman in John 8 we have Simon Peter and how Jesus went after him and yet when other people around me need my assistance and they need help I seem to be standing on the sideline giving a Roman commentary about what's going on with them instead of jumping into the ball game and helping. Are y'all with me? Say amen. 
But we all need assistance. And we need to be mature enough Christians to let somebody come alongside and help us. Number three, we're done. Advancement. Man, (laughs) he made progress. Praise the Lord, he didn't stay in the same frame of mind. He didn't remain in the same condition. He improved, he made strides. Hallelujah. He took the necessary steps to see growth. And guess what he did? He started walking. He started walking. You know what? By the end of the year, by the end of the year, in certain areas of my life, I want to be over there. Because I feel like I'm, I'm, man, I'm over here right now. That's a long way from where I need to be. Relationally. Financially, there's some things. Physically, there are some things. Even educationally, about me personally, in my own development. Man, it's, it's way on over there. Professionally, way on over there. How in the world am I going to get over there? Today I'm going to take a step. Tomorrow I'm going to take a step. Tuesday I'm going to take a step. You see, here's the deal. That journey starts and begins and continues one step at a time. And I'm, hey, faith, church. Hey, faith, church member. Hey, dear friend that's here this morning. In whatever area that God is putting on your heart today and this week, and, and man, he's saying, hey, I want you to improve. I want you to get better. Why don't you just determine by the grace and help of God it's going to start with the first step. And then one day, you'll wake up and guess where you are? You're over here. Can I get a witness right there? But it'll never happen if you don't determine to take that first step. Now let me tell you this. Let me tell you something. Here we go. So here's the big question. (laughs) Will you take that step? By the power of the Holy Spirit this morning. And if you say, yes, preacher, brother Christian, that's the step I want to take. have to fight something number one you're going to have to fight your own pride because you're going to be tempted to say whoa 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 what's wrong with me there's nothing wrong with me I don't need to grow I don't need to improve what's wrong with me Nothing's wrong with me. No. Obviously, if the Lord has put something on your heart and mind, there is something. There is something he wants you to change. There is something he wants to change in you. There's a pattern. There's an area he wants you to improve in. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God's attracted to humility. He's attracted to your desperation for him when you know you don't have in yourself what you need. But you're going to have to resist your pride. Will you do that this morning? 
Will you just start and say, Lord, bust my pride open. And Lord, these areas where I think I'm all that, show me where I need to increase and improve. Then number two, you with me? You're going to have to overcome the status quo. Average. Mediocrity. And everybody likes to get bogged down in mediocrity from time to time. But you're going to have to overcome the average. You're going to have to overcome sometimes even those around us. And then, how many of you know this? You're going to have to overcome the enemy. Satan. Because I guarantee you, he doesn't want you to improve. I guarantee you, he doesn't want you to grow. I guarantee you, he doesn't want you to become strengthened in the inner man and the weaknesses that when God gives you victory and God gives you growth, Jesus gets the glory. Satan doesn't want that. That's why he fights us so much to stay right where we are. I'm asking you this morning, some of you dear precious friend can I tell you the first step you need to take is the greatest step you could ever take and that's the step to trust Jesus and to be saved can I get an amen right there oh my dear friend you're in the right place this morning to come to Jesus say yes to him today let him save you let him change your life <laughs> that's your step today do that right now and then for the multitude of others of us in here man look at look at all the ways that God wants to increase us why don't you say this morning along with me Lord be glorified in my life through my growth Lord humble me help me to take the blinders off Help me to see where I need to improve and where I need to grow. For the glory of Jesus, help me to take that first step. I'm going to ask you this morning, I'm going to ask you to pray. I'm going to ask you to pray. Talk to Jesus about this. I'm going to ask you as he leads to make your way to this altar. Just join others and pray. Man, hey, listen, I'm telling you right now, I'm so serious about this. And I believe God is too. I believe it's worthy to come and pray at the altar over it. Give it to God. Lay it before Him. Lord, this is serious. Lord, you know I'm going to have to overcome myself. I'm going to have to overcome others. I'm going to have to overcome the enemy. Got to have you.